I'm talking about occupy till I come. I'm reading from the New King James Version, although my theme is picked from the King James Version of the Bible. So let's read from verse 1 of Luke chapter 19. Then Jesus entered and passed through Jericho. Now behold, there was a man named Zacchaeus who was a chief tax collector and he was rich. And he sought to see who Jesus was, but could not because of the crowd, for he was of, of short stature. So he ran ahead and climbed up into a sycamore tree to see him, for he was going to pass that way. That is, Jesus was going to pass that way. And when Jesus came to the place, he looked up and saw him. And said to him, Zacchaeus, he knew his name. I want to announce to somebody, Jesus knows your name. And he also knows your need. And today, Palm Sunday, he will meet you at the point of your need. He said to him, Zacchaeus, make haste and come down. For today, I must stay at your house. Verse 6. So he made haste and came down and received him joyfully. But when they saw it, they all complained, saying, He has gone to be a guest with a man who is a sinner. They didn't know that Jesus Christ was the savior of sinners. And I pray that we'll capture and catch some attitude that Jesus Christ, you know, exemplified here. Verse 8, Then Zacchaeus stood and said to the Lord, Look, Lord, I give half of my goods to the poor. And if I have taken anything from anyone by false accusation, I restore fourfold. And Jesus said to him, Today salvation has come to this house, because he also is a son of Abraham. Verse 10, For the Son of Man, please take note of verse 10, For the Son of Man has come to seek and to save that which was lost. 11, Now as they heard these things, he spoke another parable because he was near Jerusalem and because they thought the kingdom of God would appear immediately. Therefore, he said, a certain noble man went into a far country to receive for himself a kingdom and to return. So he called ten of his servants, delivered to them ten minas. That's how the New King James puts it. And said to them, do business till I come. And this is where I, I took my theme from. But the King James says, occupy till I come. Or do business till I come. 14. But his citizens hated him and sent a delegation after him, saying, we will not have this man to reign over us. And so it was that when he returned, having received the kingdom, he then commanded these servants to whom he had given the money. So it was money, okay, to be called to him that he might know how much every man had gained by trading. Then came the first saying, Master, your mina has earned ten minutes. And he said to him, Well done, good servant, because you were faithful in a very little, have authority over ten cities. And the second came, saying, Master, your mina has earned five minutes. Likewise, he said to him, 
you also be over five cities. Verse 20. Then another came, saying, Master, here is your mina, which I have kept put away in a handkerchief. For I feared you, because you are an austere man. You collect what you did not deposit, and reap what you did not sow. And he said to him, Out of your own mouth I will judge you, you wicked servant. You knew that I was an austere man, collecting what I did not deposit, and reaping what I did not sow. Why then did you not put my money in the bank, that at my coming I might have collected it with interest. And he said to those who stood by, take the mina from him and give it to him who has ten minas. But they said to him, Master, he has ten minas. Verse 20 says, For I said to you that to everyone who has, who has will be given. And from him who does not have, even what he has will be taken away from him. I think we have to take caution from this. 27, but bring here those enemies of mine who did not want me to reign over them and slay them before me. When he had said this, he went on ahead, going up to Jerusalem. This is what we are used to. But I am looking at the first 27 verses. But for the sake of today being Palm Sunday, the triumphal entry, let me read 28 into 48. When he had said this, he went on ahead, going up to Jerusalem, and it came to pass, when he drew near to Bethphage and Bethany at a mountain called Olivet, that he sent two of his disciples, saying, Go into the village opposite you, where as you enter, you will find a cold tide on which no one has ever sat. Lose it and bring it here. And if anyone asks you, why are you losing it? Thus you shall say to him, because the Lord has need of it. So those who were sent went their way and found it just as he had said to them. I want to, I want to announce to you what the Lord has said to you. You will find it just as he said it. I didn't hear a louder amen. But as they were losing the cold, or the cold, whatever the pronunciation is, the owners of it, said to them, why are you losing the cold? And they said, the Lord has need of him. Then they brought him to Jesus, and they threw their own clothes on the cold, and they set Jesus on him. And as he went, many spread their clothes on the road. Then as he was now drawing near, to, uh, drawing near the descent of the Mount of Olives, the whole multitude of the disciples began to rejoice and praise God with a loud voice for all the mighty works they had seen, saying, Blessed is the King who comes in the name of the Lord, peace in heaven and glory in the highest. But the Matthew account shouts that Hosanna in the highest and all that, that. So this is Luke's perspective. Verse 39, And some of the Pharisees called to him from the crowd, Teacher, rebuke your disciples. But he answered and said to them, I tell you that if these should keep silent, the stones would immediately cry out. Wow. Now, as he, as he drew near, he saw the city and wept over it, saying, If you had known, even you, especially in this your day, the things that, were, that make for your peace, but now they are hidden from your eyes, for, for days will come. Upon you, when your enemies will build an embankment around you, surround you, and close you in on every side, and level you 
and your children within you to the ground, and they will not leave in you one stone upon another, because you did not know the time of your visitation. Then he went into the temple and began to drive out those who bought and sold in it, saying to them, It is written, My house is a house of prayer, but you have made it a den of thieves. And he was teaching daily in the temple, but the chief priests, the scribes, and the leaders of the people sought to destroy him. And he and were unable to do anything, for all the people were very attentive to hear him. Somebody say, Amen. Okay, I've not finished. Eh? Oh, that's the last verse. All right. Say, Amen to the reading of God's word. All right. Lengthy verses of scripture, many lessons for us to learn. But I'm just picking two major themes from all these verses because oftentimes we are used to the Hosanna story. When we were young, we used to sing. Even in IPR, we have seen children singing Hosanna. Hosanna was so And what is God communicating to us with the Hosanna story? Because the whole of chapter 19 of the book of Luke describes the journey towards Jerusalem. And please, did you take note of the words Jesus spoke over Jerusalem? Because it will come to pass. Part of it has been fulfilled. But the actual fulfillment will happen when we are about to come from heaven back to the earth. I'm talking about the last verses from, from verse 41 into 48. The Bible says he went over, over it, saying, If you had known, even you, especially in this your day, the things that made for your peace, but now they are hidden from your eyes. In other words, he came to his own, and his own did not receive him. And he wept over Jerusalem because people admired this was this was the temple of 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 um, of Solomon that had been rebuilt. I hope you know that because it was destroyed in the days of Nebuchadnezzar and it had been rebuilt. And everybody admired the temple. Everybody admired Jerusalem, the city of the king. But Jesus was looking at something bigger. He was looking at the end and he predicted what was going to happen. If you take your time and read verses 41 through 48, the prediction about Jerusalem is not pleasant at all. And when you read the prophets, Jesus, remember, is the word. The prophets had already spoken about what Jesus also reiterated here, that a day will come that the, the armies of the world will besiege Jerusalem. That was what Jesus Christ said here. He says, For days will come upon you when your enemies will build an embankment around you, surround you, and close you in on every side. The Matthew account is in Matthew 24. And horrible things will happen to this same city. So he wept over it because he said that if you knew in this day the things that are for your peace, but because you did not know your time of visitation, you will not know when evil will come upon this same city. What am I communicating? There are things that we cannot do anything about. They have been predicted. They have been preempted. They have been spelled out in scripture and they will 
come to pass. One of them is in the triumphal entry story. In the concluding verses of this chapter, Luke 19, that we just read. And then, as if that was not enough, he actually went on to say that, he says in verse 44, and level you and your children within you to the ground, and they will not leave you in, they will not leave in you one stone upon another because you did not know the time of your visitation. Listen, a day will come. And actually, this is the time that for the first time, Israel as a nation will recognize Jesus as the king of kings and the Lord of laws. And they will, for the first time, call on Almighty God in the name of Jesus. Please, are you there? Presently, we don't find any nation in the world, apart from the church, which Bible calls the holy nation, a peculiar people, a royal priesthood. The church is a holy nation within the nations of the world or within the countries or the continents of the world. We are the only group of people that call on Almighty God in the name of Jesus. But a day is coming. Jesus has predicted it. He has spoken over it. I mean, about it. And he even wept over Jerusalem that he wishes that they knew this day because they will be besieged. They will be, they will be em embarked around. He says there will be an embankment around and they will close them in said that you can neither go out nor come in. You cannot do anything. You know Israel has gone through such periods. There was a time in the days of the kings of old where they were embarked upon. The days of Samaria, am I right? Where nobody could come in and go out. But what is going to happen in the last days concerning Jerusalem, concerning the city of the king will be worse than whatever has happened before. In fact, one of the prophets prophesied and said that three, he said two thirds of Israel will be destroyed. Did you hear that? With this embankment, with this uh, ambushment is the word, where all the nations of the world are marshaled and, you know, arranged by the Antichrist against Israel, and they will besiege this land and ensure that this land is taken away so that there will be so-called peace in the world and two-thirds of Israel will be destroyed. I don't know what kind of bombs they will be using, but I'm sure that some of the nations that are prepared, uranium bombs, atomic bombs, and all those bombs are in reserve for such an episode. That tells you that the end of this age is not a pleasant thing, and that is why my, I picked my theme from one of the verses. He said, do business till I come. Jesus, on his way to Jerusalem, had a mission. And he exemplified that mission by stopping under the tree where Zacchaeus had climbed. Zacchaeus, because of his short stature, had to, he had heard so much about this Jesus, a rich man. But he knew that there was something that he didn't have, and this Jesus had. So he climbed, just wanting to see this Jesus, because he knew Jesus would pass that way. Lo and behold, Jesus stood under the tree and called him by his name, Zacchaeus, come down, for today I must abide at your house. I want to announce to you that as, as we celebrate the triumphal entry, as we celebrate and say, Hosanna, Jesus has entered your house today. 
He has entered your home today. And let it be a recollection, a rehearsal of the very thing that happened to Zacchaeus, happening to you and me, that there can be a renewal. The man was a sinner to the extent that even others felt that Jesus, if he was a prophet, he wouldn't have gone to be a guest with a sinner. But Jesus made a statement. He said that the Son of Man has come to seek and to save that which was lost. And that was his business right from age 12. If you ever remember the story about Jesus' birth, after his birth, we never heard about his upbringing until at the age of 12 when he went with his foster father, Joseph, and his mother, Mary, to the same Jerusalem for, uh, is it Jerusalem they went to? They went to his, his, his home village, rather, to, uh, for, for census, you know, for, for them to be numbered. And then he stayed back. Was it Jerusalem they went to? Maybe, was it Jerusalem they went to? The same Jerusalem, all right, to worship, all right, yes. And then he stayed back in the same temple and was with the doctors of the law, and the Pharisees and the same Christ at the age of 12. And the Bible said that he asked them questions and also answered their questions at the age of 12. When his foster father and mother thought that he was in their company, they realized after three days that Jesus was not in their midst. So they went back to Jerusalem saying, Son, why have you done this to us? We have sought you. He said, your father and I have sought you all this while. He made a statement, a very profound statement at the age of 12. He said, don't you know that I must be about my father's business? What kind of business is this? But this time, he used money, okay, which the New King James calls minas. But money, I think the King James calls it um, talent, right? It was money that was given to a certain uh, a group of servants to go and do business. The King James says, occupy till I come. In other words, he used the concept of business to tell us a, or give us a picture about the business of the father. The business of the father is that once upon a time, there was a son, the only begotten son of God, who was offered by the father as a sacrifice for humanity, because man could not save himself ordinarily. Man didn't have what it takes to, to save himself. The blood of man could not wash the sin of man. So man was hopeless. Man was doomed. Man was destined for the everlasting fire. Prepared, not for any human being, but for the devil and his angels. And this son was planted in the earth, and finally... When he rose, anyone who believes in him is raised, is raised with him and become a son and a daughter. And so the father's business was that he planted a son and now they are sons and daughters. And he tells you and me, do business till I come. Occupy till I come. But we saw before he made that statement, he said in the house of Zacchaeus that the son of man has come to seek and to save those who are lost. Remember last week, Sunday, when we spoke about rescue the perishing, we said that if our gospel is hidden or veiled, it is veiled to those 
who are perishing, those who are lost, whom the God of this age has blinded. Their minds are blinded. Their hearts are blinded. And God calls them lost. And we identified in last Sunday's message that to be lost is not a physical experience. It is actually a spiritual experience where you may have everything going well for you physically, but spiritually in the sight of God, you are already one foot deep in the everlasting fire. Cast into outer darkness. And there are so many people in our society who are lost and yet they don't know. I want to encourage somebody in this triumphal entry, Hosanna Day, that as we celebrate Easter, a week to come, as we prepare to wear our whites and wear our colorful clothing and come to church, there are those who have never stepped in church who may want to come to church with you because they believe that Easter and Christmas are special seasons. Can we take advantage of the season and seek and save those who are lost? In the first place, can we identify those who are lost who may have a form of godliness but they deny the power thereof. They deny the Jesus who gives righteousness. They don't want to have anything to do with Jesus, but they believe that they can do good works. Yet, Bible tells us that our good works, our righteousness, our, our like what? Filthy rags in the sight of God. You may not know what filthy rags is, but it is really filthy rags. Not to go deeper. Hallelujah. In other words, God is, not, God is not looking for what we can do. He is looking for us. He is looking for a soul who should not perish. Who should not remain lost. We can, we can seek them and we can find them. We can win a soul. And the Bible says that those that be wise, those that... Those those that be wise and those who win souls, they shall shine as the brightness of the firmament and as the stars forever and ever. There is something about soul winning that is not the reserve of only evangelists. In fact, when you look at the life of Jesus, he, as the son of man, as the son of God, he lived in all the offices of the ministry gifts, whether apostle, a prophet, evangelist, Pastor or teacher. I can use apostle because he is the, he is the apostle and um, Bible calls him the shepherd and the apostle of our faith. Okay? And many times you refer, they refer to him in scripture as a prophet. In fact, when you read the, the, the Matthew account, Matthew 21, of the same story we've read here, they actually said that, they asked, who is this man? And they said, this is Jesus, the prophet, the king. So many times they refer to him as the prophet. And you know that the man was more evangelistic than anybody. And he was also a pastor, the shepherd, the good shepherd. And he was also a teacher. So Jesus Christ lived in all the fivefold ministry offices. But I can use one example uh, to show you how he lived. As a prophet, for instance. Though he was a prophet, you see, for instance, when it comes to the prophetic, sometimes you find those who desire the gift of the prophetic, whether word of knowledge, word of wisdom, discerning of spirits or prophecy, those who desire such gifts do not know that 
all the gifts that God gives us, whether you are an apostle and you are working in, you know, planting of churches with miracle signs and wonders following you, whether you are a prophet and you are, you know, used by God in mighty revelation knowledge, descending of spirits or whatever, whether you are a teacher and you teach so powerfully, whether you are a pastor, all these gifts are meant to achieve one goal. And that goal is to save somebody who is lost. And as a prophet, Jesus, for instance, you remember the story of he meeting the woman in Samaria. The Bible says, and he must needs, the King James says, and he must needs go through Samaria. And then the story tells us that Jesus Christ asked for water, and the woman said, you being a Jew, we Samarias, I mean Samaritans, we don't have anything to do with the Jews. Why are you asking me for water? Then Jesus said, I have water that if I give you and you drink, you will never be thirsty again. The discourse went on and on. Then Jesus made a statement. He said, that, go and call your husband. Then the woman said, I don't have a husband. Now, then the prophetic came in. Jesus made a statement. He said that, yes, you have had five husbands. And even the one that you are with now is not your husband. Then the woman made a statement. She said, sir, I perceive that you are a prophet. Then she changed the story and, you know, started. But here is the point I'm making. Jesus did not give that revelation or word of knowledge for showmanship. Are you there? The gifts and the abilities God has given us, we are supposed to do business with them. We are supposed to use them to seek and to save those who are lost. Whether you are an apostle, whether you are a prophet, whether you are an evangelist, a pastor, or a teacher. The giftings, the abilities. You see, Jesus used money to illustrate the business of the kingdom. But our business is more than money. You may be endowed with a certain grace and ability. But the question is, God is looking for profit out of that ability. The reason why he gives us, and I'm using the prophet as an example, Jesus as the prophet. The reason why he gives us, I want to say gives us, he gives us gifts. He endows us with, with gifts. It's not so that we will show others that we have the skill to have word of knowledge or word of wisdom. Jesus, at the end of the day, do you know after winning that woman, the Bible said that the woman won the whole city. She went to the city and said, come and see the man who told me all the things that I ever did. What am I saying? Every ability, every endowment, every grace, every talent, every skill that God gives us, if it does not lead to saving a soul, if it does not lead to somebody's salvation, we have not done business yet. Am I communicating? Is somebody in the kingdom business, at the age of 12, I told you, Jesus said, don't you know that I must be, I must be about my father's business. He knew that at the age of 12, whatever skill that God, God had given him was to, he wasn't proving a point at the age of 12 to show them that he had read the scriptures more than the doctors of the law. But he wanted to point out something that you need salvation. Yes, you are a doctor of the law. Yes, you are a Pharisee. Yes, you are a Sadducee. Yes, you are a scribe. 
But there was something deeper. And the Bible said that they wondered at his wisdom at the age of 12. Child of God, what am I saying? This is Easter. I don't know what ability that you have. I don't know what skill God has given you. You may be an experienced and a special hairdresser. I'm telling you, you can use that skill to do business. Not for money, but for soul winning. Are you there? You may be a scribe, somebody who writes. You may be a preacher. You may be a teacher. You may be a footballer. Whatever grace, whatever talent, whatever ability, God is looking at the profitability that comes out of what he has endowed us with. I don't know what your ability is. I don't know what your grace is. But look at yourself. Maybe you have many qualifications. You have a lot of master degrees. You have a lot of PhD degrees. You have all the degrees. And you are still pursuing many programs. Don't let it be that you have all the DD, HH, LL, all the LL, you have LLB, you have all the degrees attached to your name. And that is all. Don't let the story end like the one who said that I know you are an austere man. Now you reap where you did not sow. So the talent you gave me, I put it in a handkerchief and hid it. Do you know when we do not use our abilities, our talents, our strengths, when we do not use the skill, the giftings, whether spiritual or physical or talent that God has given us, if they do not result in winning a soul, we are like the one who hid our talent in a handkerchief, you'll be amazed. Oh, you are a lawyer. As a lawyer, you can expand. Look at Paul the Apostle. He was a lawyer. And the man knew how to debate. There was a time, you know, they, 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 they handled him. They actually manhandled him. I've forgotten the story, but it's in the book of Acts. And, you know, he wasn't supposed to have been beaten as a Jew. Or not even as a Jew, but as a, as, you know, he had this, he had this acquired Roman citizenship. And then they manhandled him. So when they wanted to discharge him after everything, he now used the knowledge of the law. He said that, why do you now handle me as a Roman citizen, you know, this way? Then the people were afraid and said, huh, we didn't know you were a Roman. I mean, even this one, I bought it with so much money and you were a Roman citizen. In other words, he knew how to use his advantages to penetrate. He was looking for something and that actually led him to the king. And he debated his cause in front of the king. What am I saying? There are some places that you can go that I cannot go. There are some people you can reach I will never be able to reach. When Jesus said, go ye into all the world and preach the gospel, in this world, there are many worlds. Can I say that again? I said, in this world, there are what? Many worlds. Henrietta has her world. Her world of design. I have never a designer, am I? I have never learned how to cut and sew. But that world will find somebody who needs your skill to get her a nice clothing for Easter. For all you know, somebody is coming your way. That, please, can you sew this nice dress for me for Easter? You see, you can focus on that business of sewing and designing and getting the person decorated. And the person may remain decorated and find him or herself 
eventually in hell without you making an impact. Even if, listen, even if you are not going to talk, at least you can pray over that globe that you are handling. That Father, as my hands have handled this one, if this one does not know Jesus, let there be conviction. By the Spirit, as she wears it, let the glory of God rest on this one, such that she will come under the conviction of the Spirit. Why did I say last week that we should be intentional, strategic, and purposeful in, in, in winning souls? It is because if we don't, we may make losses. There will be many people who will be lost on our account because God will require your souls from your hand that I brought this person your way. What did you use your ability and your skill to do to win such a soul to Christ? Is somebody hearing me? So evangelism is fundamental to all Christian, I mean, brothers and sisters and all the offices. Whether you are an apostle, a prophet, evangelist, pastor or teacher. The evangelist's job is to equip us so we will all be evangelistic. Just like the apostle's job is to plant and to establish us in the word and to be rooted and grounded. And the prophet's job is not just to bring revelation but also to teach us how to use the revelation gifts to minister salvation to somebody. All the gifts and the abilities if they do not end in saving souls, they are a waste of resources. And the master will recount. He will come and, and ask us to give account of what he has given us. I pray for every one of us, even as we celebrate Hosanna today. And said, Hosanna, blessed is the king that comes in the name of the Lord. Hosanna in the highest. And as we sing and celebrate and walk towards Jerusalem with Jesus this week, I pray that once again we will be intentional. We will be strategic and will be purposeful in winning a soul. We must occupy. We must do business until he comes. He is coming back. And when he comes, he wants to give commendation. He wants to tell you, well done, thou good and faithful servant. How good are you in using your skill, your training, your ability to win a soul at all costs? To seek and to save. Those who are lost. That's the business of the day. That's the business of Easter. And I pray that it will not just be the reserve of preachers to preach. I preach so that when you are out there in your world where I cannot have access to, you can also preach, save, and win a soul. May the Lord bless his word in our hearts. And make us evangelistic in, in thoughts and in attitude. And whip up the enthusiasm to seek and to save a soul who shall not perish as never before in our hearts. That the Lord will raise a people who understand the time and the season that we are in. That indeed this age is drawing to a close. So we will be more purposeful in occupying till he comes. In Jesus mighty name we call it done. Somebody say amen.